Our first lesson will serve as the basis for our sermon this morning. It comes from the Old Testament prophet Isaiah, chapter 11. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and of might, the spirit of the knowledge and fear of the Lord, and he will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears, but with righteousness he will judge the needy. With justice he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. With the breath of his lips he will slay the wicked. Righteousness will be his belt and faithfulness the sash around his waist. The wolf will live with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat. The calf and the lion and the yearling together. And a little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear and their young will lie down together. And the lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the cobra's den. And the young child will put its hand into the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. In that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples. The nations will rally to him and his resting place will be glorious. Let's pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So we're in the second week of our four-week series called Come, Lord Jesus. Many of you might pray that prayer before you eat. Come, Lord Jesus, be our guest and let these gifts to us be blessed. It's a phrase that many people say all the time, come, Lord Jesus. And there's the four little pictures across the top of the theme. Those are the four focuses of our four weeks. So last week, that little crown there on the left, come, Lord Jesus, as king. This week, we have a judge's hammer and what is that, a gavel, right? Then you have the cross, which is to remind us that that Jesus has come as our promised Messiah. And then there's the manger, which reminds us that Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. Now, if I were to just tell you the four parts of the series and say, put them in order of the ones that you're most excited about, I think I know exactly the order that you would pick. You would say, well, Emmanuel, that's like one of my favorite songs, Come, O Come, Emmanuel. So, First, come as Emmanuel. Then Messiah, right? Because who doesn't want Jesus to come as Messiah? Come, Lord Jesus, as Messiah. Then in third place, probably last week's theme, come, Lord Jesus, as King. Americans aren't too fond of kings, but we'll let it slide with Jesus because he's the perfect God. So he could come and be our king. But I think this week's focus is a dead last. Come, Lord Jesus, as judge. Who wants a judge to come? That's a scary thought. That picture at the end of the gospel lesson with the the winnowing fork, that's kind of a scary picture, isn't it? His winnowing fork is in his hand and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. 
It's a binary picture, guilty or not guilty. Either you believe in Jesus as your savior and you go to heaven or you don't and you go to hell. And this idea of Jesus coming as a judge is a scary thought. Got me thinking of those of us who grew up in the 80s and 90s. We learned about our United States government with Schoolhouse Rock. Raise your hand if you've seen Schoolhouse Rock. There's a couple hands in here. I went back to review the video just to make sure that I was remembering properly. They taught the three, the three branches of the United States government with a picture of a three-ring circus. Remember this, anybody? Yeah, three-ring circus. There's these three branches, and they all kind of work together. The executive branch executes the rules. They carry out the, the work of the country. The legislative branch makes the laws, and then the judicial branch kind of decides if the laws and the, executing of the, and the executing of the laws is, is happening within the bounds of what the Constitution says. But, you know, over the past few years, we've seen on TV a lot of the process of how judges become judges, and it's super applicable for our talk today. The executive branch nominates people to be judges, but then the legislative branch has to approve them. And what does that process look like? It's one side of the aisle critiquing the nomination of the person from the other side of the aisle. So if you have a a Democratic executive, you have Republican legislature, Republican Senate, drilling the candidate. And then vice versa, if you have Republican executive, then you have Democratic senators drilling the candidate. And they they keep pummeling, you you know exactly what's going to happen. You don't even need to know what the question is. The senator's going to demand a yes or no answer, and the judicial candidate's going to dance around and not give a yes or no answer. Why does this song and dance happen? Because everybody's afraid to stand before a judge. Nobody wants to stand before a judge that they think is going to be biased. Nobody wants to stand before a judge that they think is going to have their mind made up about the issue long before they even judge the case. There's a part of you and a part of me that hears Jesus as judge and we just get a little nervous because judges make us uneasy. We know that when judges swing the gavel, they're either going to say guilty or not guilty. And we don't like the thought of being guilty. And so the first thing we're going to do today is we're going to just walk through this text and we're going to get a better understanding for who Jesus, the judge that we're inviting to come, actually is. And it begins with a bit of a history lesson. That first verse had not happened yet when Isaiah wrote these words. So in verse one, he says, a shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. And I don't mean that the shoot hadn't come up yet. That hadn't happened. But the tree of Jesse had not yet been chopped down. You might remember that King David was the son of a man named Jesse. And God promised to send the Savior through David's family. So from this tree of Jesse, the Savior of the world was going to come. But after King David came King Solomon. And after King Solomon, the kingdom split. And the people became very, very disobedient of the Lord, and they started chasing after other gods. They became idolaters. 
And so God promises judgment, guilty, guilty of idolatry. He says, I'm going to cut the tree down. But that hadn't happened yet. The judgment is the fact that there's a stump, that this tree is going to be chopped down. But God is basically telling us, my promise to send a savior through the family of Jesse will still be fulfilled. Because a shoot is going to come up from that stump. A shoot is going to come up and it's going to be the savior of the world. And then we learn about what this judge, this savior will be like. Take a look at verse 2 and the beginning of verse 3. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and of might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord, and he will delight in the fear of the Lord. Now this is what we often call the sevenfold fruits or gifts of the spirit. The Holy Spirit lays these seven gifts on Jesus. And and there's even parts of scripture that talk about how these gifts come to us as Christians as well. Let's just take a minute to to, to understand what these, um, these aspects of Jesus would be like. The first one is wisdom. The best way I can describe wisdom, right here, the light. It's Jesus, the Savior of the world, the light of the world, bringing the truths of peace and forgiveness into your life and illuminating everything around you. You're wise when you can see things for what they really are. Think of our focus on Thursday night if you were here. Come, Lord of light. This idea that you could see, that means you're wise. Understanding, that means you love. So if you have light, the light of Jesus, helping you see the world for what it really is, and then you have understanding, that means you are putting that knowledge into practice as you show love to the people around you. Then counsel, um, this is like a flawless judgment, wise counsel. You're always making the best decisions. He's going to be a perfect judge. Might, um, think endurance here, not so much strength, but He's going to stay the course. He's going to do what's right. No matter who's opposed to him, no matter what, he'll always do what's right. The spirit of knowledge and fear of the Lord. Knowledge is the, the gift of seeing things the way God sees them as much as that is possible for human beings like you and I to have a perspective like God's. Um, the next one, fear of the Lord itself, is often summarized as piety. Um, This is the idea that you have reverence and reliance on the Lord for everything, that you count on him all the time. And then the last one is the fear of the Lord itself, that you would delight in it, that you would have wisdom and awe of the glory of God. The point here is this. Jesus the judge has the most impeccable credentials of any judge ever. Perfectly wise, perfectly loving, perfectly understanding everything, knowing everything, powerful, the perfect judge, never making a mistake. You could trust him. Then you have a little further description of the judge in verses three, four, and five. He will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears. He's not going to be the kind of judge 
who thinks he sees something but is wrong. He's not going to be the kind of judge who thinks he heard something but heard incorrectly. He will perfectly know every single heart. With righteousness, he will judge the needy. With justice, he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. He will strike the judge with the rod, the earth with the rod of his mouth. With the breath of his lips, he will slay the wicked. Righteousness will be his belt and faithfulness, the sash around his waist. That's a lot to take in in a short amount of time. But what this text is saying is that Jesus is the perfect judge. There has never been a judge like him. There will never be one like him again. He is the perfect judge. He will never make a wrong decision and he will be perfectly faithful to the word of God always. If you are afraid of this judge, you have not been listening to the word of God. When you and I stand and tremble at the idea of Jesus coming and judging, then we have not been listening. We just sang it in our psalm. Israel, put your hope in the Lord, for with the Lord is faithful love. With him is complete redemption. He will redeem Israel from the guilt of all their sins. Are you a sinner? Of course you are. In every single one of you sins in different ways. I'm a sinner too. But if we are afraid of the judge, that means that we're not listening to what God says. This judge is the one who came to fulfill all the promises of God, including this one. He will redeem Israel from the guilt of all their sins. And he has. He has. He came into this world and he did what we can't do. He perfectly walked in step with the Spirit of God every moment of his life. The light shone and he saw everything perfectly wise every moment of his life. Perfectly understanding, perfect love shown to everyone. He saw things as God saw them. He, he judged things the way God would judge them. He was perfect every moment of his life with the Spirit of God descending on him at his baptism. He was in perfect step with God every single moment of his life. You and I as sinners are not. That's the difference. If you're not in perfect step with the Spirit of God every moment of your life, then you're a sinner like me. But Jesus was always perfect step with the Spirit. He never stepped out of line. He never sinned. And yet he's the one who went to the cross to pour out his innocent blood as the payment for your sins and mine. You are not guilty. 
The verdict has been rendered because of the blood of the lamb. You are not guilty of all your sins. You have been redeemed by Jesus. Do you understand what that means? When you stand before Jesus to be judged, it will be one of the greatest, the greatest moment you've ever experienced. Because in that moment, you will be treated as Jesus deserves to be treated. As someone who has always perfectly walked in line with the Spirit of God. You will be treated as Jesus deserves to be treated because he was treated as you and I deserve to be treated. He took our punishment on himself. He endured our guilty verdict so that we could be set free. And free you are. When you stand before God to be judged, you know what the verdict will be because you know the promises of God. And so stop putting the judge at number four in your pecking order. This is the greatest news in the world. The coming of Jesus as judge is not something that you and I fear because we are not guilty of all of our sins thanks to our Savior Jesus. And the results of this are incredible. What I'm about to read to you is one of those perspective things like the mountains, right? It's now and in the future. We don't perfectly understand it yet because lions still kill lambs when given the chance. One day there will be perfect peace and perfect harmony on the mountain of the Lord in heaven. But this is true now too. Because as not guilty children of God, inside the church of God, we experience this peace with one another already. The wolf will live with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat. The calf and the lion and the yearling together. And a little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear. Their young will lie down together. And the lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the cobra's den. And the young child will put its hand into the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. In that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples and the nations will rally to him and his resting place will be glorious. You see, when the judge comes, you are gonna sprint to him. You are gonna want to be as close to him as quickly as possible. You are gonna rally to that banner because you know the verdict. You know you're not guilty. You're going to want to hear it with your own ear. You're going to want to run and stand before the judge and hear him say what you know he's going to say because the promises of God are sure. You're going to want to hear him say, not guilty. And that's exactly what you're going to hear him say. You're going to be ushered into an existence that you can't even begin to wrap your mind around. His resting place will be glorious. I want to close today by reading you a a portion of the Apostle Paul's letter to Timothy at the very end of his letter. He speaks first about himself. This is the Apostle Paul speaking about himself. And what he says about himself, he applies to all of you. There is reserved for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day. And not only to me, 
but to all those who have loved his appearing. Love his appearing. You have every reason to love it because you have the promises of God made certain for you in Christ. Have the same confidence that Paul had. The righteous judge will give you the crown. Amen.